welcome to another episode of Coming Out Stories from What Goes On Media with me, Emma Goswell. Thanks for listening. And by the way, if you are loving this podcast, please tell your friends. Oh, and also rate us and give us a review on iTunes. It all helps spread the word and spread the love. Right, let's get stuck into the episode then, where you're about to meet a real life ghost hunter, or should I say, paranormal investigator. Here's Ray. I always knew there was something different about me. You know, a lot of people will understand this who, who have been in this situation. I felt different. I didn't feel like a normal young lad. I didn't feel like the young guys in the playground. I always wanted to be with my best friend, Rosie or Emma, you know, and, and do kind of not so much girly things, but just be in their company. And I knew that I didn't want to be playing football or playing soldiers or, you know, just things like that. And I, I just I just couldn't put my finger on it at the time because I think I was so young. I just knew I was different, but I couldn't, I, I didn't know how, but I just knew I wasn't a regular person. It's funny, isn't it? As soon as you said soldiers, I went, oh my God, I used to play soldiers with my next door neighbour, Timothy. I made him join my army and everything. So as queer people, we know we're different, but we don't, we don't, well, we're not sexualised at that time, are we? We don't know why we're different. Yeah. I mean, if, if the girl said to me, oh, we're, we're having a party, a little get together at school, we're having tea at Emma's house, um, and we'd end up playing sort of, you know, like hairdressers or something like that. And I thought, oh, this is fun. I like this. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm up for this. Or we'll have a tea party in the garden with the dolls. And I thought, yeah, this, to me, that was normal. Yeah. You know, and I felt comfortable with it. And do the girls completely accept you and take you on as one of their own? Oh, 100%. I think they loved it. I think there were some people at school who were more, how can I say, more open and more, more worldly about things or, or they learned things earlier than than I did they probably knew what gay was or or lesbian or you know that kind of thing but I didn't I was very shielded I think let's put this in some sort of context though I don't want to guess your age and I don't know where you've grown up so let's just put this in a sort of a year or a decade and a place well I mean I'm, I'm turning 50 next Thursday the same age Ray you beat me by a month <laughs> yeah so I'm, I'm you know age is just a number to be honest yeah. and I don't really you know think oh 50 big milestone it's just an age yeah. you know so we, we are talking you know late 70s yeah um you know early 80s but all the you know everyone was accepting of me all the girls there were a couple mm. of lads at school that obviously were more manly and worldly who used to take the the mick out of me and see something you know, different in me than I didn't, I didn't know about. So it was homophobic bullying or was it, it wasn't even that they were saying you were gay. It was just. Oh, I think, I think it was because I used to hang around with the girls and I think it was maybe they, they saw, called me a fairy, you know, that kind of thing, because I didn't want to play boys games or football. And when I had to do PE, that was obviously a nightmare because all I wanted to do was go and play with the girls, playing rounders or something, not play rugby. (laughs) (laughs) it's like parallel lives this way i was always desperate to play football or cricket at school and was really really pissed off that we weren't allowed to and it was gender segregated at school wasn't it we had to play netball and rounders and i was like oh god this is so annoying i want to play football the only the only thing i really enjoyed was when we had sports day because we all mixed and you know we were i could be with my girlfriends and we did high jumps and star jumps and you know all these kind of athletics but apart from that it was quite miserable doing yeah. PE. and whereabouts were you in the country whereabouts did you grow up i'm in salisbury 
near near Stonehenge. So it's it's all right. I mean, it, it's a lovely little town, you know. Apart from if you ignore all the uh, Russian poisonings we had recently and what have you. And... Oh my God! I watched that drama. That was terrifying, wasn't it? It yeah. was terrifying. Funny enough, that the house that happens only about 10 minutes walk away where I walk my dog. Um, so I kind of bypass it a little bit <laughs> just in case. Yeah, yeah. Well, apart from Russian poisoners and druids, is it a fairly small town with like small minded attitudes or would that be unfair to say that? It's a town and it's also a city because we've got a big cathedral here and we're very mm. famous for Stonehenge as well, which is really close by. We used to have an original gay pub here, which opened in the early uh, 90s. Uh, it lasted for quite a long time, but it was one of these pubs. It was down the back streets of a, of a, of a street away mm. from town. And it was really good fun. It was really successful, but I don't think it was managed very well towards the end. And then we had a nightclub open, a pub nightclub open a few years ago, which I opened to do with the first Salisbury Pride. Oh. Uh, people moaned about it, said it was too noisy and it closed down. So there's no gay venues here at all which is a real shame but there is a gay presence here yeah. and to be honest Salisbury's quite accepting quite accepting but what was it like growing up as gay in Salisbury in the in the 70s and 80s then there wouldn't have been any venues was there you know was there a sense of real isolation for you yeah absolutely there was no gay venues I mean I remember growing up I would secretly try and read books about when I kind of knew I was possibly gay because that was the difference. I would read books in secret. There was always a stigma about going out with your granddad on a Saturday to the local market and helping with shopping. And he, I said, can I go to the library? And I used to see if I could find books and things to read just to give me a bit of knowledge to just to, to, to try and find out who I was. So what did you find? Well, a couple of filthy pictures, but um, <laughs> you know, not a lot really, because I think for me, it was all about self-discovery, learning things mm. for myself. And then obviously we had the marvels of the internet come in. Yeah, but this would have been pre that, wouldn't it? I mean, I remember going to a bookshop in the 80s and buying a book on bisexuality and it was actually turned out to be a bit of a porn book. It wasn't really any sort of help whatsoever in discovering my identity. It was, it was difficult pre-internet, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. There, there wasn't that many bookshops in town, really, that sold that kind of material it was as and when I could find a little bit of peace in in uh, you know one of these local bookshops a tiny bit in the library and I would secretly also see if I could order things you know what's the bookshop gaze the word there you yeah. go so growing up before I actually came out you know I would purchase books from them you know just to see if I could get some you know really good knowledge about the gay life was I really gay? Because I actually, growing up, before I came out, I actually had two girlfriends. Ah. I actually had two girlfriends. This was around probably 13, 14, 15. And I think by that time, I kind of knew I was gay. But kept it very quiet to myself. And I thought, if I have a girlfriend, it's either going to make me or break me. It's either going to be, yes, that's who I am. Or no, you know, I'm not... So after a couple of girlfriends, I decided, now nah, it's not for me. I know who I am. So you were using them to sort of test your sexuality in a way? I know it sounds really bad, but yeah, honestly, yeah. I had a couple of experiences with one of them, you know, in a sexual way. Um, and I just knew, nah, it's, it's absolutely not for me. 
not mm. my thing. It's funny, isn't it? I think a lot of LGBT people go through that. I, say, I mean, there's pressure, isn't there? There's pressure amongst your peers. You know, all my friends were sleeping with boys. So I was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to try this. Otherwise, I'm not going to fit in. There is pressure, isn't there? Yeah, and, and I'm the youngest of four. So I've got three sisters above me. And I've lucky enough, still got my mum and dad. Um, my dad was a very much, he, well, he still is, very much a man's man. You know, mm. we go over the allotment, we grow our own food, we do manly things, you know, we make woodwork. And so I always worried how I, I had to live up to him, to be honest. So having a girlfriend, oh, yeah, he was really proud, you know, really happy. But I think with my mum... I think a mother's instinct, she always knew, I think, mm. she always knew that I, I was gay. I think she always knew, always. So you got a sense from your dad, though, that, that there would be some sort of disapproval when he came out, did you? Oh, gosh, there was a lot of disapproval. Mm. So basically, I came out when I was 16. I was that confident. I knew I was gay. I thought, do you know what? I'm going to sit my parents down and speak to them so I said mum dad I need to tell you something um and then I said you know I just came out with it and I don't know where I got the guts to do it because I feared my dad a little bit I said I'm gay you know I'm a homosexual and my dad said no no you're not you've had two girlfriends I said no I am my mum was like really lovely she was if this is who you are if this is what feel you are I'll support you all the way. I'm happy for you. I just want you to be happy. But my dad was the complete opposite. He was a bear with a sore head. He wouldn't speak to me for six months. Wow. And you're living with him at this stage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's very, hard. Very, very awkward. Because, you know, I, I, I didn't leave home until I was 18. Mm. So it was a few years of frostiness. But after six months, he started to talk to me because he had to. And if we were watching telly and anything gay related or, or gay topic came on the news, he would give me that kind of side-eyed look. Oh. And I was thinking, awkward, you know, <laughs> it was just. And yet you, your mum was fine. Was there a sense that she tried to talk him around or she just I think they probably had their conversations. Hmm. They had their conversations. I'm sure they did. But he, he's very much old school where a woman's place is in the kitchen. That's where she stays. Uh, if he wants a cup of tea, you know, she has to make it. He would, you know, he's very old school that way. And to a point, he still is. Mm. He still is. I mean, he's 84 and he still sits in this chair saying, are we having dinner now? Are we having a cup of tea now? God. You know, I love my dad a bit, don't get me wrong. And I love my parents, but he's still very old school. So did you come out to them without even having a boyfriend? Did you, you were so sure in yourself that you were gay, you just thought you'd do it. I didn't have any kind of experiences till I actually moved to London. I moved to London when I was 18. Years ago, there was a pen friend organisation called Gay Les. And it was really, <laughs> it was really old fashioned. And you signed up to have pen friends, like gay or lesbian pen friends. And I thought, do you know what? This is probably the best route for me to make some gay friends. Yeah. So I made a gay friend called Bruce, funny enough. <laughs> And we we met a few times and we ended up forming a relationship. And he was the reason I moved to London because I was I was so sure and we got on so well and I moved to London and, and that was it. So you were with Bruce. So Bruce was your first boyfriend, was he? 
Bruce was my first boyfriend, my oh. first uh, sexual experience, my first everything. You know, he took me all around the gay bars, you know, and it was like me being in The Wizard of Oz. It was just, wow, this life. I mean, this crazy life, this colourful life was just, yeah, this is where, this is me. So this is like a really early version of Grinder, isn't it? You actually wrote letters to each other for ages before you met. Yeah. And at the time I used to, um, we used to telephone each other, but I used to go to a telephone box. Yeah. Um, make sure I've got plenty of 10 P's. And we used to speak for, for half an hour or 15 minutes, 20 minutes at a time, you know, because I didn't want Bruce phoning me on the landline or I didn't want to phone from the landline because we would be on there for hours. And I didn't want my dad or anyone to know. And so did you eventually tell your parents about Bruce? Oh, yeah, they met him. Yeah, they met him. And, you know, my dad was very, my dad's, you know, might have his issues, but he's always very polite and very courteous, you know, always would make anyone welcome, whether he didn't really approve of the lifestyle or not. And I'm guessing you had to have a mum, dad, I'm moving to London to be with Bruce conversation then. Oh, no, God, no, 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 no. Actually, no, I didn't. Actually, I lied a little bit. <laughs> I said that I've. I need to move on. I need to move out. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 18 and I need to fly the nest. And I said, I've got a job in London working for Boots. And did you? <laughs> yeah. Boots, the chemist, yeah. working for the photographic department. And they said, oh, that's great. You will be okay. I said, yeah, I've got somewhere to live because I was actually going to move in with Bruce, but they didn't know that in East uh-huh. London. And that's how it went. That's, that's how the story went. But obviously it all came out on the watch and I was honest enough to tell them in the end. Uh, and did it work out with Bruce? No, it didn't. Well, I mean, it's very rare, isn't it? If you were still together now, that would be like gay history, I think, really, if you'd I mean, be with your first, first boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was my first love yeah. and he was from an ethnic background. He was from an Indian background, but his yeah. dad was English, his mum was Indian. Sadly, his mum didn't really approve of me. She thought I was someone in the gutter that Bruce had picked up and just decided to be with. And to me, that was just too much to handle. You know, I love to get on Emma with everyone. You know, I'm so easygoing and family is really important to me. But not to be accepted by someone's mum really hurt. And she wasn't the nicest of people. That's really sad. And was it was it were they a religious family? Was there that element as well? I don't think it was so much religious. I think it yeah. was that I wasn't good enough. Snobbery. Bruce, Bruce yeah. was this university guy, really intelligent, you know, and they saw me as just someone who worked in a shop in Boots, not on that kind of level. Plus, I think my race might have had something to do with it as well because they would prefer him to be with his own cast, not with a white guy. Gosh. Um, so... That was it. And we, we kind of ended quite badly and we, we never spoke again. We never spoke. But I stayed in London and I made my own life. It was good fun. Well, I mean, part of it is, you know, you're surrounded by the gay scene. You've got gays the word to buy your gay books in. And, you yeah. know, it's important as an LGBT person to have that surrounding you, isn't it, I think? Yeah. And back at the time, there was a place I used to go quite often, most days actually, called First Out Cafe. Um, and first out cafe was the cafe upstairs, the club and the pub was downstairs. And that's where I used to go to meet friends. And I met so many really good friends, Emma, through them networking. And, and uh, that's where I first met Jimmy Somerville. We used to talk quite often. Amy LeMay, we used to talk. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Um, How did you meet them? Amy used to work there. Oh, wow. Uh, 
Jimmy was there quite often. And then I got involved in Great Ormond Street Radio and I met a few gay nurses through that, you know, just a network of friends and, and some of them I'm still really good friends with today. Oh, fantastic. Oh, and two idols you just mentioned there. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Somerville, when I was growing up in the 80s, was just like one of the only people that was out and proud and gay. Exactly. Exactly. You know? So you mentioned your four sisters. Um, yeah. Did you come out to them eventually then? Yeah, I, th- I think mum being mum, she obviously spoke to them. They were all fine. Absolutely fine. You know, sisters are always pretty much supportive. I think they thought at the time, oh, having a gay brother, oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's all right. That's, that's you know. He'll take us shopping and sort out our soft furnishings. <laughs> that's it, buy a new lamp. There we go. <laughs> um, now, you know, absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. They, they've, they've accepted a couple of partners because my last partner was, I was married to for 21 years, but oh. that came to a natural end sadly and you know had a break and I've been with my current partner for uh this is the fourth year now so, yeah they get get on with everyone and you're back in Salisbury you've gone full circle back in Salisbury yeah I, I'm always dragged back here Emma always, yeah. always come home always and I this is my base now this is my base I guess it's a very spiritual place is it and we, and we should probably talk about um, your job or at least one of your jobs a little bit because I always like to ask people what it's been like coming out in the workplace because and has that been important for you I'm always up front when people ask me I don't outwardly you know say oh hi I'm Ray I'm new I'm gay you know that kind of conversation no. if someone comes up to me and asks me of course I'm going to let them know because I'm a very honest person mm. I, I guess there's been a couple of situations when I filmed on some tv programs where I've had hostility one I filmed in Australia I was really badly bullied on set every single day by another cast member. And all I wanted to do is come home. And I thought, no, I've got a job to do. I've got to stick with this. Mm. You're bullied for being gay? Um, I think that was part of it. Mm. Um, Very friendly. I'm friendly with everyone on set, whether they're cameraman, whether you're cast, director, producer. I think it's important because you're a family and you're going to spend so much time together that you get to know people. You know, and I spent a lot of time with these people and this other cast member clearly felt that they, they're, they're there to do a job and they go back to the hotel at the end of the night. Um, was this a show about ghost hunting? Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd have thought ghost hunting would be fairly LGBT friendly. I imagine there's a lot of queer people in ghost in go- I mean, There aren't many ghosts. You don't mean many ghost hunters. There aren't many of you, are there, Ray? But I imagine... There's a lot it's of gay, gay projects and a lot of gay mediums. Yeah. You know, um, I'm, I'm not overly sure there's a lot of gay paranormal investigators like myself. No. There probably is, but they probably haven't come out to me. But this particular person w- wanted always to be the big person, the big I am. And I'm just so grounded. I'm just me. Mm. Maybe that was a threat. I don't know, Emma. I don't know. But we, we no longer talk. We no longer talk. I wouldn't bother, to be honest. I mean, mainly your job is working with dead people, isn't it? So this is an odd question. Have you ever um, really much. Be, been judged by a, get, by a dead person? I think I'm st- not, not by a dead person, but I think I'm stereotyped. Mm. Oh, what do you do? Oh, when, when, someone, <laughs> when someone finds out what you do, they always say, oh, do you know what? I'm really into that. That's the common line. Oh, I'm really into that. I'm a bit psychic, you know. And like, oh, are you? Oh, lovely. <laughs> really yeah how yeah. bizarre 
Yeah, yeah. I get all the time, all the time. I, I remember I took my mum shopping many, many years ago and someone shouted out, Oi, you're that ghost hunter from Australia. And I was like, thank you, thank you. My mum was had a like mum proud moment. Oh, <laughs> spotted in the streets for being a ghost spotted hunter. Yeah. How, so. how do you discover that you could be a ghost hunter then? How does that work? I always had an interest in the supernatural mm. when I was younger. Um, and then programs like Most Haunted came along and me and some friends thought, oh, we could do that. We could, let, let's get a little ghost hunting team together and see if we can find any ghosts. And it just spiralled from there. How many ghosts have you seen then, do you think? I'm just, I find it fascinating. I've been asked this a lot. I was asked this by my current partner when we first got together. And honestly, um, I believe I've only seen one. Mm-hmm. My grandmother, when I was mm-hmm. about five or six. I've seen an awful lot of things I can explain. Yeah. But I've seen a few things that I can't explain. And the things I can't explain, because I'm quite logical, those are the things that really excite me, really excite me, because I can't explain them. What did I see? Did I really see something? Who knows? It's a fascinating career, isn't it? That You don't meet many ghost hunters. No, I mean, it, it's, it's, at the moment, it's obviously, you know, because of the current situation, we, we're not doing a lot of things at the moment. But it, it is a fascinating subject going to these haunted locations, hearing the history, hearing people's accounts of their experiences, hearing the stories, the urban legends, the myths, and trying to mm. sift it all through to see what's real, what potentially could be causing these noises. And you say you've got stereotypes, but I mean, did you ever try and specialise in looking at LGBT history and trying to look for, you know, LGBT presence? No, not really. No, no, not really. I don't think, if I'm honest with you, Emma, I've ever come across like a gay ghost story or anything with a gay history where we've investigated, if I'm honest. Mm. They must be out there. If ghosts are out there, I mean, I hold my hands up. I'm not sure I 100% believe. I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. I agree that there's some things we can't explain. But if ghosts exist, they've got to be gay ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> there's got to be. Where are they? I, yeah, exactly. I believe <laughs> how you are in this life is how you are in the next life. That's, that's, that's If we have got a next life, why would we change? This is what I believe. Hmm. Some people don't believe it. I don't believe there's a heaven. Just imagine, okay, this is, I'm going off on a tangent now. Just imagine you've got this wonderful memory of a, such a happy occasion, a happy time. I believe that's where we go. We go to a happy memory. Wouldn't that be nice? Other, mm. Yeah. But we'll be, we all will be disappointed if we don't go anywhere. <laughs> Mind <laughs> you, we wouldn't know about it, would we? No, we wouldn't know about it. <laughs> well, I always like to end with asking people if they had any advice um, to other people that hadn't made the journey yet or come out to their friends or family what words of wisdom would you like to impart ray i think if if you are thinking about coming out to friends and family find that one friend you can really trust that you can sit down and have that open conversation with i mean we've all got pretty much a friend where um it's school or later on in life where we tell each other everything mm. coming out is hard it is hard because it's that first step i mean i don't think gay people should have to come out anyway agreed i really don't you don't see straight people coming out and also now these days there are plenty of like 
advice helplines like the gay switchboard and there's there's loads of um gay resources for telephone numbers people to talk to whereas when i was younger there was hardly well i think gay switchboard was around but you know there wasn't the amount of people that you could reach out to as there are today so that would be my advice talk to someone did you find that one friends then before you spoke to your parents um, stupidly, no. I mean, <laughs> I had I had those friends, I had my girlfriends, and they they are you know like they said you said they were accepting of me. Um, we did it, it wasn't really an issue because I think they knew anyway. I should have talked to someone first because it was a leap of faith, a leap of faith. Wasn't it? Well, you must have trusted your parents enough then to sit them down, not having a boyfriend and not having told any other friends, and just said, "Mum, Dad, I'm gay." I mean, that takes bravery, right? Um, I think so. I think so. It wasn't an easy thing to do. I was absolutely sweating. I was nervous. I was shaking. I was teary. And then I said it. I said it, mum, dad, I'm, I'm gay. <laughs> and the, um, after the conversation, although my dad was very angry and upset uh, because I wasn't you know, going to be what he wanted me to be, it was a relief that I've actually told my family. I've told someone. It was a relief. And I wouldn't look back. I wouldn't change anything. It was probably more of a shock to them when he said, Mum, Dad, I want to be a ghost hunter for a living. <laughs> was it? Yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, when 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 I um, came back from Australia and, and the TV show actually finally aired over here, I actually sat down with them and made them watch the first episode with me. This, I said, Mum, Dad, this is what I do. We're going to watch this. And my dad was like, oh, all right. My mum was like, oh, oh, how could you do that? Oh, how could you, you know, go in a mortuary chiller? How could you do this? My dad was like, oh, right, that's what you do, is it? Mm. <laughs> but they're all right. They're all right. Lovely Ray there. And a big thanks for him for getting in touch and putting himself forward for the Coming Out Stories experience. And if you think you've got a great story that people should hear, then you can follow us on Twitter at Come Out Stories and message us there. Or why not check out our brand new shiny spangly website um, and message us through that. It's simply comingoutstoriespodcast.com. Oh, and nice of Ray to mention how important getting his hands on LGBT literature was. If you go to our website, you can also then get your hands on our book, Coming Out Stories, edited by myself, Emma Goswell, and Sam Walker. So just a quick reminder, that's comingoutstoriespodcast.com. Right, next week you'll be hearing from Sam. Now she knew over 20 years ago when she was a teenager that she was attracted to women. But she didn't come out as a lesbian until a revelation during lockdown last year. I gained a qualification in teaching meditation and it was talking about being your true self. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to teach meditation and I'm going to be my true self, then I need to say what I truly am and it was quite emotional for myself because I've been fighting just like kind of fighting it and I don't know why